Let's talk about something near and dear to our hearts, our furry companions. Life is full of unexpected twists, just like the ones we love to uncover about our favorite celebs. But sometimes those twists involve our four-legged friends. Imagine navigating the unpredictable world of pet parenthood, where every day is a new adventure. Our partner, Spot Pet Insurance, wants to share a message to help make sure you're prepared for any unexpected curveballs, whether it's a sudden illness or an unplanned trip to the vet. Spot Pet Insurance can be your secret weapon against the unexpected. With Spot, you can get up to 90% cash back on eligible vet bills, helping you with those surprising expenses that seem to pop up when you least expect them. But wait, there's more. Spot Pet Insurance plans go beyond just offering coverage for accidents and illnesses. You can enhance your plan with their preventive care benefit, ensuring that routine wellness, vaccines, and more can be covered too. Head over to spotpet.com today to get a quote instantly. Trust us, it's the easiest thing you'll do to help secure the well-being of your dog or cat. Visit www.spotpet.com today. Paid ad from Spot Pet Insurance. Waiting periods, annual deductible, co-insurance, benefit limits, and exclusions may apply. For all terms, visit spotpetins.com slash sample hyphen policy. Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Em. How's it going? Can I tell everyone a 100% real story that happened the other day? Yeah, of course. I don't know what you're going to say, but of course. I was sitting at Emma's apartment and she looked me dead in the eye and said, I just got an email from On the J Lo. Green, <laughs> green is still Jennifer Lopez's favorite color. I honestly thought she was pranking me. And then we just moved on. We never spoke about it. We never spoke about it until this moment. But how happy were you that I said that? Because at the end of the email, you had to really scroll down to find those three photos of her and Ben at her birthday dinner. In green. In green. Also, you guys, Courtney and Travis married. We got a, we have a lot to get into today. This is going to be a good episode. I know. I can feel it. Okay. So I think we should start with something we would probably typically talk about in the Kardashian episode, but we didn't mention it last week. And I feel like now's a good time. Are you on the same page? Yeah, absolutely. So if you remember on last week's episode, both Kendall and Kylie were not at Chris's birthday dinner. And according to the show, Kendall was in Miami and that's why she couldn't be there. There was never really any explanation as to why Kylie wasn't there. After the episode airs, people on Twitter started to put together the timeline and realized that the reason they weren't there is because they were at Astroworld, which is a fact. Chris's birthday is November 5th and Astroworld was also November 5th. So they're being accused of one, faking the Miami plotline as a way to kind of cover for that. And second of all, almost glancing over it. To be honest with you, I felt so stupid. I think we both did after the episode came out that we didn't even put that together. I guess we were so focused on the Courtney Scott Travis of it all that we didn't realize Astroworld was happening at the same time. But if you want my opinion, I think absolutely that's what happened. Number one, I wouldn't be surprised if that's one of the reasons for the show being a little bit delayed in terms of when it came out. And second of all, I mean, I can't say factually, but I have to imagine that that's the case because one, I don't even know if they could comment on it because it's an act of litigation. And second of all, if they did, I could see that being a real disaster because they'd probably be accused of profiting off of this tragedy for the sake of their reality show. But yeah, that's not a coincidence. I mean, factually, Kendall wasn't in Miami. We know for a fact she was at Astroworld. I don't know how they could have or if they could have covered it on the show, but yeah, I mean, to me, that doesn't even feel like sleuth work. I just think that that has to be fact. What do you think? Yeah, I think so too, obviously. I mean, timelines don't really lie. I found it really interesting as I was thinking about it in retrospect after I saw it online and after we had gotten a million DMs about it. 
I was just intrigued by the fact that they decided to have a plot line for Kendall that was so easily traceable in terms of it just blatantly not being true. Obviously, like you said, we're not sure if they were even able to talk about it. We're not sure if it was the right thing to do to talk about it in terms of being accused of potentially profiting off the tragedy. But I just found it really interesting to throw in a plot line that so clearly was fabricated. That's kind of why I was confused as well. It wasn't like she was in Miami, at least from what we saw, for some big reason. Like she was there with Haley for this Versace show and we got to see that. They were getting IV drips with Dave Grutman, which I mean, I could watch that all day, but it wasn't enough of a reason to explain for the fabrication of the timeline. So I don't know. I mean, if any lawyers could comment on whether or not they'd even be able to speak about it from what we saw online, it feels like they can't. But I probably think it would have appeared more favorable in the eyes of the public if they didn't have a fake storyline for Kendall and just didn't touch on it at all, because that would at least be understood in terms of the logistics. Yeah, absolutely. That was my thought as well. I mean, as we spoke about at the time, it's just an absolute tragedy that should have never happened. And honestly, I'm going to be really interested to see what happens with these lawsuits because there's a lot that are currently happening. Yeah, me too. So Mother's Day is coming up, and I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom because realistically, no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her. But I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames. So they were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter, and it's just the kind of gift that is guaranteed to bring joy because realistically, there's nothing our parents love more than seeing us. So for them to be able to see more of us, even if you don't live close by, like that is probably the best gift you could give a parent. They're Wi-Fi connected. They come with unlimited storage. So you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. And it's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. We have one in my kitchen. And every time my dad comes down for breakfast, like it just makes him so happy. There's pictures of me, pictures of me and my parents when I was little, pictures of my grandparents. Like I think as a parent, you never get sick of that. And it's just the kind of gift I know she will love. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. So the weather is finally getting a little warmer. And one of the most fun parts about the season changing is kind of the wardrobe revamp that comes along with that. And if you're looking to update your wardrobe without spending a fortune, I want to introduce you to Quince because I really think that they do quality essentials kind of better than anyone I found. And I've told you guys about them before, but specifically as the weather is getting warmer, their linen dresses, like such an easy throw on, so comfortable, such good quality. To me, if you put on a linen dress with a pair of white sneakers, a little cardigan over your shoulders, to me, that is such a chic look. Also, their washable silk blouses. They are so comfortable, but you look so put together. They have great like scoop neck t-shirts, just comfortable, easy staples. Like that is what I like about them. I think that you can really build just a quality wardrobe collection with their essentials. And the best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. So by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and then passes those savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm rather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash CBC for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash CBC to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash CBC. Okay, so Courtney and Travis are apparently officially married. 
I feel like we were expecting this to happen any day now. It just felt like they were chomping at the bit for it to happen. And I guess Vegas was kind of a dry run. So from what we saw, according to TMZ, they got legally married on Sunday in Santa Barbara. They apparently exchanged vows on the steps of the downtown courthouse. And what you can see in the photos, aside from them and the photographers, the only other people that seem to be present are MJ, Courtney's grandma, and then Travis's dad. And then there's, of course, the photos of them when she's in the short white dress and the headscarf, and he's driving the convertible with the just married on the back very old Hollywood. And apparently they have more official plans for a wedding ceremony in Italy, potentially this summer, but they are legally married. Is this not exactly how you would have expected them to do this? Exactly. I mean, in the episode two weeks ago when Chloe and Scott are talking and Scott asks her, am I even invited to the wedding? Chloe says back to him, I don't know if any of us are invited to the wedding. She said she wants to do it just her. So Naturally, I believe that they are going to have this big Italy event. I think that's very, very on brand, especially Italy being Courtney's place. But for the actual like legality of the wedding, for, for them to just do it, the two of them in Santa Barbara makes so much sense. And on top of that, for the only two people it seems like being there to be MJ and Travis's dad, I thought that was really beautiful. Honestly, the best part of this entire thing, in my opinion, in terms of the insight we got, is that Travis's daughter, Alabama, just so happened to be doing a TikTok live, like she was doing her makeup on TikTok, as Courtney and Travis came home. So you see, they walk into her room, and they're just on a cloud nine. like They can't stop laughing and hugging. And Courtney is saying to Alabama, yeah, he just carried me into the house. And it very much had the type of energy when let's say it was a Saturday night and you were home alone, you were like 14 and your parents came back from dinner with their best friends and they were a little bit tipsy and you're like sitting in the kitchen with your parents or they come into your room and you guys are all just hanging out and they're a little bit tipsy. It was that exact energy, except for it was Travis Barker and Courtney Kardashian and they just got married on the steps of a courthouse in Santa Barbara. I feel like in the history of celebrity relationships and marriages, never once, never one other time has a celebrity couple come home from getting married to their daughter slash stepdaughter on Instagram Live or TikTok Live, I'm not even sure which it was, doing their makeup tutorials and then they walk into the room. Like that has never happened in the history of like celebrity culture and probably will never happen again. Right. And also their comfort level with the entire thing. Like there's a moment, which I'll put the link in the description for anyone that didn't see this, where Courtney says to her, you know, I couldn't find my makeup this morning. And I was thinking to myself, maybe I should just have Alabama do my makeup. You know, like the there's just a casual nature to this entire thing, which I think I'm slightly taken aback by because I have to remind myself, this is a Kardashian. <laughs> like no other person in the family would do it in this way. And they're just really leaning into it. This is so Courtney specific. And you're right. The casual nature of it is just how comfortable and in love she is that the rest of the world and the rest of the way that things are typically done or usually done in their family, like none of that matters. And not that Courtney was ever one where it overly mattered to her. She clearly like beat to her own drum. But this really, really puts that on display in the best possible way. Right. And the other thing is that we know they don't typically post in real time anymore, which is primarily due to safety concerns. It makes total sense. But in general, for a Kardashian to get married in a way where there's even a potential for there to be paparazzi photos taken that are released before they announce it to the world, like technically they're not in control of the narrative here. It feels unheard of. And I say that in a really positive way. I think it's kind of a fun change of pace because there's no world in which Kim or Kylie would be doing this in a way where 
passersby can take photos and then post it to a Reddit thread. It just feels improbable. It's funny because when you think about their relationship, almost every single aspect of it has been incredibly public. And there's obviously the PDA element of it that's public that I think has a little bit more to do with a certain voyeurism thing that they have going on. But just overall, like every step of their relationship has had a very public element to it. And I think the main reason for that is just the lack of caring. It's just like we are in our own little world and there just happens to be these people there. Think about their first date. We found out that they were dating because we saw them holding hands. I think it was at Matsuhisa. And then when they got engaged, we saw those pictures publicly because passerbyers, again, were taking pictures of them on the beach. When they got married in Vegas, we saw the paparazzi photos of them going into the chapel and it was released before they were able to announce it. So it's like every single step of this relationship has had some sort of a public element to it. Right. And they don't care. If you don't want to be seen, you're not going to be seen. Even if you're Haley Bieber and you're getting married in this extravagant affair in South Carolina, you remember when she was going from hair and makeup to the venue, she traveled in basically a tent so that the paparazzi couldn't see. Like if it's that important to you, no matter how swarmed you are, you will make yourself not seen. They don't give a fuck. You know, it's funny when you think about the evolution of privacy in terms of celebrity, let's just say weddings specifically, because there was a very long period of time. And I would say the 2000s were really defined by this, where the main reason for the privacy involved in the weddings were so paparazzi couldn't sell the picture of your wedding before you were able to sell it off to get the exclusive. If somebody posted a picture of your wedding dress, the amount of money you would get for a people exclusive of the shots of your wedding were automatically devalued because the world had already seen it. I think it's a little bit different now because I think that celebrities don't use paparazzi photos in that way and don't use exclusives in that way. And a lot of it is about control and being able to be the first one to post that photo and a lot of that is done via Instagram, but it is really interesting to look at the evolution of that and specifically look at Courtney and Travis where it's like neither of those things matter to them. Right, exactly. There's no world in which they are ever going to do a people exclusive. That's just not how they operate. That's not going to be their source of income. But also they don't feel the need to post it on Instagram Monday morning and have it be a shock to the world. I really think that there is a part of Courtney and Travis that is so... And when I say into it, I don't even necessarily mean sexually into it. I think there's an element where they get off to it, but also just entirely enthusiastic about the world being in on it. It's almost how I feel about them doing their, quote, signature kiss on the Met Gala red carpet where they're touching tongues. And what I mean by that is they know that every single paparazzi there is waiting for that shot. And everyone at home, there's discourse online waiting to see if they're going to do it even on the steps of the Met. They're into that. They're riding this wave. And this is a little bit different, this wedding thing, but it's all in the same vein. Oh, absolutely. I go back and forth with that. Like I can't, and I think it's a mix of both. Like I can't tell if it is just strictly that they don't care who is around them and they are going to act how they're going to act as we've seen. And they've said on multiple occasions. And that's part of the Scott element of him being at these events or her not wanting them there in order to like protect their energy and Travis is able to be as authentic of a person as he wants to be and love her the way he wants to be without any outside forces interfering. Like I think that that same approach that they have in terms of their private life when they're with their family is the exact same approach that they have with the world. But there is also that piece of me that's like, there's no way they don't get off on this a little bit. 
No, they absolutely do. Because take away these types of events, there is a reason that they post on their story and then repost on each other's stories. Just the photos, let's say, of him holding her feet or her shoes on the floor. They're into it. They have to be. Which the same can be said for MGK and Megan Fox. Can I be honest with you, though? Yes. I know there's a joke that arises a lot online when it comes to MGK and Megan and Courtney and Travis, and it's like same energy, different fonts. And we've even said that. But to me, I view these relationships entirely differently. And I don't know if it's because I just feel like Megan is continuously really annoyed by MGK, whereas I never find Courtney and Travis to be annoyed by one another. But to me, I hate the term the Walmart version, but I really do consider MGK and Megan to almost be the Walmart version of Courtney and Travis. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Based on just that statement alone, not the Walmart version, which I, I completely understand, but the Courtney and Travis never, ever seem annoyed by one another where MGK and Megan Fox have those moments. Which of those two things do you think is a more sustainable model of a relationship? Fucking incredible question. I'm so glad you just asked that because I actually wanted to expand on that point. Okay. We never ended up talking about this on the podcast, I don't think, even though we wanted to, but I guess we just got carried away with something else. About a month ago, when they were at the Daily Front Row Fashion Awards and they were honoring Maeve Riley, there was a video that went viral of Megan and MGK where she was about to walk onto the red carpet and he was kind of like holding her, touching her, and she was visibly annoyed. And it went viral and people were like, oh, maybe there's trouble in paradise. And I remember seeing that and being like, no, they're actually just behaving like a normal couple. Sometimes no matter how much you love your partner, you just don't want them touching you. Like maybe she's on her period. Maybe her stomach hurts. Like just leave me the fuck alone. It's a very normal reaction. I got that. So it's not that. It's not like I see moments where she's annoyed and that to me is a concern. I agree with you. It's very normal. If anything, I would say that Courtney and Travis's dynamic is potentially more unsustainable. It's not that. It's that I find that what's happening, and this is like totally just from where I said I could be so off, is that Megan is getting a little bit annoyed with the fact that it seems like MGK is doing some of this stuff to be performative or to get the public shock. Whereas with Courtney and Travis, even if some of it is to be performative, at least they're in on it together. And I feel like the way MGK is going about it, I don't want to say it's turning Megan off, but that's the vibe I get. It's like the complete outsider. I'm so not sure where I stand on this because I agree with you. Like there are just certain times where you don't want to be touched. Like to me, that is not indicative of a relationship problem in the slightest. I will say there is something very different when you are a public couple and that happens publicly because to me, I'm like, just put on a face and deal with it when you get home. Like you're on the red carpet. So it's not that I thought that was indicative of an issue. I just thought it was an interesting public display of that. But I do think that I've been thinking about this a lot because we have gotten a lot of DMs from people saying like specifically about Courtney and Travis, not really MGK and and Megan Fox, but specifically about them saying like, this is unsustainable. Like there is no relationship that you can just exist in this world where you never fight, never argue. You agree on every single thing being the exact same. Like this is not a sustainable model. And so to me, I see MGK and Megan and it's also a relationship to me where I'm like, is that sustainable? I don't know. But at least you have moments of showing like there is real things happening here. And when I look at Courtney and Travis, I don't see them as like hiding it. I don't see them as like they have these things going on at home where every so often they fight and then they resolve it and we just don't get to see that side of it. Like I think that this is generally through and through who they are both at home, both on camera, both publicly, red carpet, like whatever. Like 
exactly the same. But it is a really interesting question of like, how long can that exist for? Right. And it's obviously infrequent. I mean, this is factually not the norm. But the one thing that I I will say that I do think you have to remember when considering these types of relationships is that the everyday stresses of your average person's life in a lot of ways don't apply to them. And of course, I mean, no matter how rich or successful or famous you are, you still have shit. Everyone has problems. But a lot of the daily occurrences that couples fight about, when you have so much convenience around you, a lot of that is taken out of the equation. And I'm not saying that that means that they never fight or never would fight. That's not what I'm saying. But I do think that it's almost like a different set of problems, if that makes sense. Oh, it absolutely is. But that's interesting because that's kind of what we were saying when we were talking about the episode last week and the week before that where Courtney was saying that like she doesn't think her and Scott need to have a conversation. And to me, it's like, wow, you are really eliminating any outside factors that could take away from this fairy tale that you are currently in. Right. And I believe that they do view this as a fairy tale. I mean, I guess the reason that I am not critical of it or wouldn't be critical of it, aside from like... (laughs) it impacts my life 0%, is because they're not hurting anyone in the process. Yes, we saw Penelope be upset on that one FaceTime, but I think that's just a normal human reaction, being a young child and having your parent you know, get engaged. I think it's very confusing. So to me, it's like Courtney went through hell for a lot of years. And if this is where she's going with it, go with it. No matter how unrealistic it may seem to the average person, live your life. Oh my God. No, I'm I'm on the exact same page as you. If this is their relationship and this is actually the model of their relationship and it continues to stay the exact same, I am all for it. If it changes, I'm still all for it. It's just when you examine celebrity couples, especially ones that are so public, you get far more of an insight into their relationship than you would get with a celebrity couple that you just see every so often. So like with MGK and Megan Fox, you're also getting far more insight than you would with any other couple, and they don't even have a reality show. I mean, for Megan to post that text that she sent Maeve Riley after the Billboard Music Awards where she says, is this blue outfit expensive? We just cut a hole in it so we could have sex. And she's like, I hate you. I can fix it. Like, that is probably the greatest insight of a celebrity relationship and sex life that you could get outside of there being a sex tape. And so there is never, ever going to be a time where I'm like, no, I'm good. I don't need that insight. You may hate them. You may not like them as a couple. You may think that MGK and Megan Fox and Travis and Courtney are both an unsustainable model of a relationship and both not a relationship model that people should be looking at. But don't tell me you're not interested. Well, it's funny because we posted that screenshot on our story and a lot of the responses were people basically saying, everything I've learned about this couple has been against my will, which I think is a sentiment that a lot of people would echo. And where I stand on it is like, actually, that's true. I've never sought out this information, but I've never been upset that I got it. Exactly. Exactly. And by the way, MGK and Megan must have a voyeurism thing as well, because it's one thing to text your stylist that. It's another thing to then put that very private screenshot on your Instagram. They want people to talk about it and they want people to be curious about the intensity of their sex life. Oh, see, you're 100% right. There's like no question there because the thing about MGK and Megan is that they are far more open about that. With Travis and Courtney, they're like, we're just so in love. We're in our own little world. Like we just want to be able to like show our display of love and not care. Like with MGK and Megan, they're like, yeah, we have crazy sex. And not only do we want you to know, we're going to make sure that you know how much we want you to know about it. Like there is no hiding anything in that relationship and no like disguising it as anything other than what it is. 
Do you remember when we posted that photo? I think it was her Instagram and she was saying the table in this Airbnb really saw some shit and he commented something and we posted it. And it's one of our most viral posts. But if you look at the comments, it's people just being utterly disgusted. Like they're so upset that they're putting this display to the world. I still bet you that if you asked every single one of those people, they'd rather know it than not know it. They may say that they wouldn't and maybe some people wouldn't. But even if you're disgusted by it, I still think, you know, what are you going to do? Turn down insight? I always think about when Megan, I think she said in an interview or when she posted it as a caption on something, it was like, yeah, it was definitely a caption. And she was like, you know, the type of sex that we have makes like Satan clutches pearls or something. And everybody, I think, had this collective moment of like, can you elaborate? Like, what are you doing? Like, I want a sex tape from you guys. And like, not just because like, it'll be hot or it's what I want a step-by-step tutorial of what you guys are doing versus what the rest of the world is doing. Cause there's a lot of blanks I need you to fill in that I maybe didn't even know were possible. Personally for me, let's say they hypothetically speaking released a sex tape fully willingly. I'm not saying it was a leak. I know myself, no part of me would get off to that, but I would watch the fuck out of it purely for curiosity purposes. I'll go as far as to say purely for educational purposes and not even because I want to emulate that in my own sex life. I just think that I have a really deep curiosity because if you are repeatedly saying it is this intense, like show me because I have no idea what you're referring to. Not to put you on blast, but I know what they're into and I know what you're into and you probably would get off to (laughs) Uh, yep. <laughs> I, I, nothing I'm saying back to that other than true. <laughs> 50 high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor. It's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery comes the competition. Host Shima Oliai was Nevada's contestant 20 years ago. Now she's returning as a judge to find out what two weeks with 50 of the country's most ambitious teens can tell us about girlhood in America. What happens when the competitors are thrown into the deep end with the best and brightest? And how does surviving the competition prepare them for everything that comes after? Follow the competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's thrivecosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. 
I can tell you that what I'm about to say is 100% accurate, but according to sources that have apparently confirmed this to people, Jason Momoa is currently dating Isa Gonzalez, which before we get into the timeline or any logistics here, hot couple. I mean, speaking of sex tapes you'd die to see slash actually get off to. Yeah. So keep in mind, him and Lisa Bonet announced their split in January. And I think that there was a lot of speculation after the fact if they were going to get back together, if they had rekindled since. I would go as far as to say people are still considering that that's a reality. I was shocked to see him dating somebody new because in my mind, I had it so cut and dry that they were 1000% going to get back together. I need to outline for you guys her dating history because it is nothing if not inspirational. Yes. When I put this together and I was reading this list, I was like, nothing but respect for my president. Liam Hemsworth, Cristiano Ronaldo, Calvin Harris, Maluma, Josh Jamel, Clay Thompson, and most recently, Timothy Chalamet, which we will put the link to this in the description, but I'm sure you guys remember those viral paparazzi photos of her and Timothy in the pool in Cabo. (laughs) And by the way, might I add, talk about opposite ends of the spectrum. To go from Timothy Chalamet to Jason Momoa, That is the biggest jump you could ever make, probably. And also for you and I specifically, those are our two tops, which happen to be on opposite ends of the spectrums. Completely opposite ends. And don't forget that Jason Momoa and Timothy Chalamet are co-stars in Dune. Oh, I actually did forget that until you just said it. Also, (laughs) not to make this about me, but it did feel slightly like a personal attack that he just so happened to post the video of him in the gym with the zoom in on his biceps days before this news broke. You know what? If I was Timothy Chalamet, I would think that was a personal attack as well. (laughs) For for very different reasons, but yes. I mean, I always think about her and Timothy Chalamet together because I think it gave us one of like the greatest pieces of celebrity content that we've ever gotten, which is them just like clearly having sex in a pool in Cabo. Just everything about that, I always think back to that relationship. So for her now to be dating Jason Momoa, I'm like, you're living the dream. Oh, no, absolutely living the dream. The other thing about those paparazzi photos, which was important in terms of cultural relevance, is that it immediately took the public's attention off of the paparazzi photos of him and Lily Rose Depp making out where they were literally sucking face. You remember that? Yeah, on the boat. Right. So aside from the fact that she's a literal goddess, it was a great thing to happen to him because I think people were really questioning his kissing abilities. And then it went to these, which in the eyes of the public felt more favorable. I agree. I think going from a slightly open mouth, full tongue kiss on a boat to sex photos in a pool in Cabo is like an amazing redemption story. Yeah, I think it's beautiful. That's what I'm saying. And (laughs) I don't know how this episode somehow just became an analysis of Timothy Chalamet making out paparazzi photos, but most recently the photos of him making out with that woman in VIP at Coachella. He loves a public makeout. He's so real. (laughs) He's so voyeuristic. Stars, they're just like us. I am so excited to say that this segment is brought to you by Disney Plus for their new film, Chippendale Rescue Rangers. So this is kind of a hybrid live action CGI animated action comedy. And it's really a comeback 30 years in the making because we're catching up with Chip and Dale, who are former Disney afternoon TV stars in modern day LA. And before I get into the plot, let me just tell you, this is a star-studded cast. It's John Mulaney as Chip, Andy Samberg as Dale, Kiki Lane, Will Arnett, Eric Bana, Flula Borg, Dennis Haysbert, Keegan-Michael Key, Tress McNeil, Tim Robinson, Seth Rogen, J.K. Simmons, like it is stacked. 
And so Chip and Dale are living amongst cartoons and humans in modern day LA, but their lives are totally different than the last time they saw each other. So the backstory here is they became best friends when they were kids in school, and they eventually moved to LA to really pursue their Hollywood dreams. And in the beginning, it was rough. Like it was absolutely a struggle. They had a lot of side gigs. They were working to kind of get their big break. I don't think either of them really thought that it was going to happen. And then finally it comes when Disney cast them in their own show, Rescue Rangers, which aired on the Disney Channel from 1989 to 1990. And at the time they were living big, like whatever you would think is the height of Hollywood fame and extravagance, that's what they were doing. Dale always says, we were living high on the hog, dancing the Roger Rabbit with Roger Rabbit. And that's what it was. Like they were living the life. And during the height of Rescue Rangers popularity, what happened is Dale got offered to star as a spy in what would be his second show, Double a Dale. So he signs onto this series, which there was some bad blood there. Like, I don't know the full details, but apparently there was some drama going on with Chip and Dale. I think that there was some natural jealousy, animosity. There was some behind the scenes stuff that went on. And Dale signs onto the show. And then not only is Rescue Rangers not renewed, but Double a Dale never saw the light of day. It was canceled before the pilot even aired. There was something with his agent. We don't really know the full story there. Anyway, Chip is no longer in the industry. He has a day job, lives with his dog, like kind of off the grid. And Dale is still an actor. He's living in LA. He's booking these smaller gigs. He just had the CGI surgery, which there's some speculation about which Beverly Hills plastic surgeon he went to. I'm not so sure, but they turned him from a 2D tune to a 3D tune. And now one of their former castmates has mysteriously disappeared and Chip and Dale have to come back together to kind of not only repair their broken friendship, but also take on their rescue rangers detective personas to save their friend's life, which I should just add, this is not the first cartoon that has gone missing. Flounder from The Little Mermaid, Gus Gus from Disney's animated Cinderella. So who knows where they are, but Chip and Dale are basically working together to figure it out. It's just great. It's a feel-good time. You guys are going to love it. Do not forget Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers, an original movie streaming Friday only on Disney+. Plus. Before we get into the next topic, I have a question that I want to pose on the podcast because I think the responses will be interesting. Do you know what I'm going to say? What? How do you guys use the invisible text feature on iMessage? I know you can't answer this as we're recording, but if you feel like DMing us, please do. And I will further explain that in a second, which is the next topic we want to discuss is, which we'll spend, I promise you, three minutes on, Josh Richards and Nessa Barrett and some of this TikTok relationship drama. But the reason I asked the invisible text question is because Julie texted me this morning, Invisible Inc., I wouldn't not talk about Josh and Nessa. And to me, I so understand what that means, but we were trying to decide when we posted on our story if other people use the invisible text feature in the way that we do. I could never exactly explain how we use it, but I do think it is one of like the strongest comedic tools that we have at our disposal. And attempting to explain like exactly the comedy behind that or exactly how we use it reminds me of the time that we were trying to decide how we would explain certain TikTok phrases or Twitter phrases to your dad because like they are objectively impossible to explain. Like what were the ones that we were saying that we were trying to like, like huge if true. Like we were trying to explain certain things like, and I've always said that. And it was like so part of our everyday vernacular, but then to explain it to somebody else, it's like, I don't know how I would possibly explain to you a thing that like I 
do almost as muscle memory. Like when we use that invisible text feature, it's like I've never once used it to you or Isabel or honestly a bunch of my other friends with with them being confused what I mean. Like they get it 100% of the time. But every so often I'll do it to somebody else and they'll like be like, I don't get this invisible text thing. Like I think a lot of people use it to talk shit. Wait, before getting back to the invisible text Josh Nessa thing, just to your earlier point with the TikTok thing and my dad, do you not remember that we taught a stoned masterclass to three 70-year-old men desperately trying to understand the root of TikTok humor? And the fact that we didn't film that is a travesty. I know. I'm upset about it too. I'm trying to think of the other phrases that we were trying to teach them also because it's impossible to explain. Like even trying to explain like, same energy or like huge energy is so difficult. Just imagine anybody listening, trying to explain to your seven-year-old parent who just so happens to be stoned for the conversation, what huge if true means when their initial response to you is going to be like, but it is true. (laughs) Like, where do you go from there? I don't know. I have to tell you though, with the invisible ink, sometimes I do drop it in my family group chat and they seem to respond really well to it. But I don't know if that's just because they've been trained to assume that anything I say is funny. First of all, probably. Second of all, just to bring it back to the Josh and Nessa thing, because I do want to get into that discussion. The reason you sent that text with Invisible Ink is because we both carry a slight amount of embarrassment regarding the depth of our knowledge about these TikTok stars. I mean, we're talking about Josh Richards, who's 20, Nessa Barrett, who's 19, and somehow we know a lot about what's going on with their relationship. It's like, it's it's bizarre, but it's fucking everywhere, and somehow we've taken an interest. So that's probably the reason for the Invisible Ink there. Yeah, it was just, I yeah, I, I don't know. It's like, you don't want to admit something, but you admit it, but you're like obviously admitting it. I, I don't know how to explain it. And if you really want to laugh about like the embarrassment of being, or the slight embarrassment that I'm not actually embarrassed about, about being so deep in with the TikTok stuff is like, do you know what article I had to look at to get the timeline of Josh, Nessa, Jaden, and Mad's relationship? Ready <laughs> like for this? Tiger, tiger beat. <laughs> J14, and I had to put my birthday in to prove that I was old enough to be accessing the website without a parent or guardian. Exactly. That's the reason for the Invisible Ink. Like, literally the J14 to Invisible Ink pipeline. I put in 1996, and I thought that was going to, like, flash up with somebody being like, okay, what the fuck? (laughs) I read an article. I read a headline of one of the articles while I was doing this, and it was like, I think it was a tweet from BFF's pod. I'm not sure, but it was like, Josh and Nessa may be reuniting after rumors circulate that um, Jaden was maybe hooking up with Josie Conseco while she was maybe hooking up with Landon Barker. And I'm like, oh my God, I understand every single person at play here. And not only do I know who everyone is, I understand the dynamics and how they would have possibly all connected to each other. And we also know the comments that took place. It's it's crazy. I mean, listen, I think that knowledge is only a good thing. It only helps us understand other circumstances because if you really bring it all back, everyone here is eventually tied to Travis and Courtney. So it is kind of full circle because technically Jaden is Travis's artist. So, does that make you feel better, by the way? Just like – I thought you were <laughs> – just like knowledge is power. Like knowing about Josh Richards is power. Like I agree. I agree. Yeah. I'm, and I'm, that's my story and I'm sticking with it. But anyway. And I've always said that. And I've always fucking said that. <laughs> 
Okay, so quick backstory, which by the way, if you have no interest in this, just fast forward. I promise it will only be a few minute discussion. But three key players you need to know are Josh Richards, Nessa Barrett, and Jaden Hostler. All three saw success early on in TikTok. Both Jaden and Nessa have gone on to create pretty successful music careers. And the backstory is that Josh and Nessa started dating around October 2019, and they were really a very famous and very viral TikTok couple. Also, Jaden at the time was dating his ex-girlfriend, Mads Lewis, and they were all friends. They all hung out constantly. Josh and Jaden really would consider themselves best friends. So because Jaden and Nessa were both aspiring artists, around February of 2021, they released their song, Lottie Die. And of course, in order to put out the song, they had to work together a lot. They were in the studio constantly. Well, a month after that song comes out, Jaden and his ex-girlfriend, Mads, announced their split. And shortly thereafter, Josh and Nessa split up. Then... Not so far after that, Jaden and Nessa start dating, which was an absolute shock to the TikTok world. Like not to sound dramatic, but this was a really big deal at the time because obviously they were all a friend group and specifically Josh and Jaden had been best friends and roommates. So for years now, we've seen this whole dynamic play out and Jaden and Nessa have been very public. Josh has dated different women on and off. Anyway, the long story short is that last month, Jaden and Nessa announced their split, both confirm it. And then this last weekend, there are photos of Josh and Nessa out on a walk together, walking his dog. So now the question that the entirety of TikTok and by entirety of TikTok, I mean the TikTok community of probably 16 to 25 year olds is asking is, are Josh and Nessa going to get back together? I fall in that community. I'm 25 still. Yeah. I'm so This is a thrill. Yeah, I absolutely do not. But I'd be lying to you if I said I wasn't curious because I don't know, we've just been following it for a while now. And also Josh has a podcast called BFFs that he talks about both his flings with various women and also the situation with Nessa. And you could tell that I think there's some unresolved feelings there. I know also they do a lot of these things for clicks and for clout. And they know that the more drama, the more fame, the more money. So I don't rule that out. But I definitely think there was probably some unresolved conversations. And I'd be really curious to see what happens. The thing with this is it's one of those TikTok moments that you either had to be there for or you just weren't to be able to really understand the magnitude of it. So the thing is, when Jaden and Mads Lewis first broke up and the rumors started to circulate about Jaden and Nessa, that was all done in such a public way. Like things were incredibly public. Things were, you know, Mads was trying to get through to Josh. Josh was talking about it on a podcast. Mads had gone on Call Her Daddy after the fact. Like there was a lot of stuff that was discussed publicly and a lot of, you know, that TikTok internet thing where people are doing their own research and trying to show who's hanging out with who and who liked this picture and who, you know, did this and that. And so for Josh and Nessa to be hanging out again, it brings you back A to that time when this was all over your For You page. It was all anybody on TikTok was talking about. And now like they're hanging out again. So it's just another wave of that. And it's kind of like the story that never dies. So even obviously so many people are on TikTok, but a little bit too old to be invested in this. I'm sure this was something that came across your For You page at some time or another, even if you ignored the video and swiped past it, even if you saw it, but didn't really absorb it. Or if you're old and you're like us and you saw it and you were like, wow, this is literally a high school drama unfolding before my eyes. I'm obviously going to get overly invest in this in a way that I'm way too old for. Like you kind of took it in in some way or another, which just goes to the power that TikTok has in terms of this community that it's created. It's really incredible. Well, to your point, do you know how weird it is that this entire situation elicited a feeling of nostalgia in me? 
how is that even possible that I'm feeling nostalgic about something that happened on TikTok with kids that are 20 years old? Like that almost feels like an oxymoron, but that was the feeling that I had because it was so reminiscent of such a time on TikTok. And I think part of that is because it was in the height of the pandemic. And so this type of drama had more of a pull than it normally would have because it really became entertainment since there were so few things happening. No, you're so right. And this is something that I always think about in terms of TikTok drama. And I'm not saying that these TikTok stars will get to a place where like, or all of them at least will get to a place where we're like very seriously discussing them as celebrities. I don't know if that will happen. I can't say it won't. But there is something to be said for pop culture and examining pop culture and then not being like immune to the new wave of it and not being immune to the way that people are now getting famous. I mean, if you think back to Justin Bieber, Justin Bieber got famous off a YouTube video. Shawn Mendes followed the same vein. So there's always that possibility when you're talking about TikTok that you're dealing with the next big star. Like all of these people work their way into the zeitgeist of pop culture. And it really is impossible to ignore, even if you're older and you're like, I don't know who any of these people are. Well, it's more than just not knowing. I do think that there is a fair amount of people that are fundamentally opposed to supporting stars that started off in this way because I think a lot of people view it as a really cheap shot at fame or a lack of talent, which again, if that's your perspective on it, like I respect it. I get it. I just view it as entertaining. So I think it's not only about the lack of knowledge. I think it's also about respecting the medium. And I do think that TikTok for a lot of people is not a respectable form, but I guess it's also in the way that you do it because there's a lot of people that have started successful comedy careers by doing impressions or by doing little skits and, you know, their creative talent. So it's all about where you sit. But yeah, I mean, I'm obviously dialed in. If you're somebody who really follows this, you may be curious how this all fits into Josh's apparently budding relationship with that girl, Mia, who's on the women's basketball team at UC Berkeley. And my answer to that is that I don't know what I guess we're going to have to see. The one thing that you are guaranteed in all of this is that it will unfold before your eyes. Exactly. And that's something that I take comfort in. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract, and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life, so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Have you ever noticed how celebrities have brighter, whiter looking eyes? Their makeup artists have a little secret in their kit. Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops. Lumify dramatically reduces redness in just one minute. It literally happens right before your eyes to help them look brighter, whiter, and more awake for up to eight hours. No wonder it's so loved by influencers, celebrities, and makeup artists, and has over 6,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. Lumify is also the number one eye doctor recommended redness reliever eye drop, and it's FDA approved. No bleach, no dyes, plus it's made by the eye care experts at Bausch & Lomb. 
So whether you're on set, on a date, or running on just a few hours of sleep, you can have eyes that look brighter and whiter with Lumify Eye Drops. When you try it, you'll see that it's what your eyes have been looking for. Check out LumifyEyes.com to learn more. Moving on to the Kardashian recap, I know for a while we had been speculating about how much of the Tristan news breaking would be filmed, and I am grateful and thrilled to report that we got confirmation from one of the Kardashians producers, Danielle King. She was talking to Us Weekly about that moment and she said, quote, well, for that particular moment, my crew was there. We were there to film something else early in the morning and the morning that news broke, we legitimately just happened to be there. We have that moment on camera. I know sometimes it's tough for the audience to kind of grasp like, oh, did they go back and did they capture this? But there were so many moments that we genuinely captured just because we're almost always there. There's almost always a camera going. That was the confirmation that we needed. And we had had that confirmation from Chloe and Kim that it was caught on camera. But the producer POV is such a specific one, especially in explaining like, how is it that they were there when that was filming? Like, how, what time of day was it? Like all of these things that come from only the producer point of view that is getting explained to us that the Kardashians wouldn't necessarily pull the curtain back on. I'm still really interested to know whether or not the moment that was caught on camera was all of this unfolding or that exact moment that Tristan confirmed it via Instagram story. Yeah, see, that I'm not entirely sure about, which we will obviously see. I mean, remember the preview where Kim's in the gym and she sees it and then she calls Chloe? That's the moment you were talking about, right? Yeah. That looked like it was about his Insta story, but I don't know. I mean, we're going to have to see. You know, Kim says when she calls Chloe in that preview, she's like, he's been lying to you about all of it. It is possible that the way that this went down between the two of them is that these rumors started to circulate. Tristan said that this girl was lying. Chloe believed him or tried to convince herself to believe him. And then that Insta story broke. And that's the moment we see of like confirmation he has been lying to you this entire time. Yeah, it's very, very possible. I mean, we're just going to have to see. The thing you have to remember is that it's only 10 episodes. So, which clearly is not the good news. I wish that it was a lot more, but we're not going to have to wait that long because we know that sometime in the next five episodes, we're going to get this answered. There's only five episodes left. I know. I guess this would be a good time to say the week of Memorial Day, which is May 30th, that entire week, we're off for all three episodes. There will be no regular episode, no Bravo and no Kardashians. We'll keep reminding everyone and we'll put it in the description, but I just want to tell everyone that now because we won't be here to recap the episode, which honestly sucks. It does suck. I guess what we'll have to do is put like a a shortened version of a recap into the next Monday's episode. Yeah. Just to like catch all of us up and make sure we're all on the same page for then the Friday episode, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So there's that. Really curious about that. And then second of all, this is interesting. Pete had been signed to Brillstein as his management company. And in April, so last month, it was announced that he had parted ways with his management. And nobody knows where he's going. He hasn't officially, to public knowledge, signed with anyone. But there's a lot of speculation that he is being managed by Chris or will be managed by Chris. And I don't know anything for sure, but I would consider that a very high possibility. I don't know how I feel about this. I I mean, not how I feel about it. Like if it was the case, I would obviously feel fine. I don't know how much this makes sense from a logistical point of view. I could see a situation in which Chris manages a certain aspect of his career in terms of maybe like branding. I can't see Chris taking over in any sense of the word, the day-to-day operations of Pete's management. 
Well, here's where I stand on it logistically, because number one, I agree with you. I don't think she's handling his day-to-day, and I don't think her team is handling his day-to-day. I also don't think that she's handling the comedy aspect of his career. Not saying she couldn't do it, but it's not really her specialty. I think there's a lot of people that are probably significantly more qualified to handle the comedy and acting of his career, but where I think she could really come in handy is for the branded stuff. So Smart Water and some of his other ad deals and potentially a Skims partnership if she could negotiate him out of his Calvin Klein contract. Like that's where I think she could be huge in. And it's not like he doesn't have an agent. I mean, he's with ICM to our knowledge unless something has changed. So I don't think she's taking over him getting a Netflix special, but I could definitely see her maximizing his earning potential in the branded space. That's my thought as well. And and you know what? It's not that I couldn't see her negotiating a Netflix deal. That I could actually see her doing. But I also know that in terms of previous comedy specials that he has done, his previous manager, whose name is Tim Starks, he produced those comedy specials. Like He has a producer credit on those. I can't see Chris taking over in that way. So it will be really interesting if this is correct, whether or not a team is built under Chris that can help with that day-to-day and help with the comedy management and help with booking him gigs in that sort of way, like big Netflix specials, big, big tours, like all of that stuff. Or if that's all something that ICM would technically handle and Chris would take over all of the branded stuff, like you said, maybe coming out with a line of something that he has a weed line. Maybe I could see that being the case. So it will be so, so interesting if he has two managers, one with Chris, one at a different company, whether the Chris thing is completely false. I don't know. But obviously, if you're dating a Kardashian, specifically Kim, and you leave your management company, of course, those rumors are going to start to circulate whether or not you're going to be signing with Chris. Well, don't forget, there's been rumors circulating for, I would say, the last month or two that someone from the Kardashian family, and I know the major speculation has been with Kylie, is going into the weed space. But just to throw it out there, I'm not saying this is the case. What if, again, total hypothetical here, Kim and Pete came out with some sort of a weed line? Like, It's not the craziest thing I've ever heard. I don't necessarily foresee it in the immediate future, but just to get our minds going as to what the options could be. I saw that on TikTok circulating as well of a lot of people saying that rumor. And if you remember, Kim had previously said like he probably wouldn't be in the show, but she is working on filming something special with him potentially. I could see that being the thing that they do. So let's say it's Kylie's weed line, but the promotion for it is Kim and Pete together. Right. And that is something that I could absolutely see happening. Right. Last thing is that this morning, Kim was released as one of the four cover stars for Sports Illustrated 2022 swimsuit issue. It's her, Ciara, Mae Musk, and Yumi Nu. I mean, I also can't think of anything smarter than Skim swimsuit paired with the Sports Illustrated swimsuit model cover. So to me, genius. <laughs> and the Balenciaga trifecta. I mean, she's wearing the gloves in the water. And so talk about her commitment to the gloves. It really knows no bounds. I was going to say we would be absolutely remiss. And I can't even imagine the DMs we would get if we didn't mention those damn gloves. Yeah. I mean, it's like- it's really, it's really something. But that was the first thing that I saw when I opened Instagram this morning. And it's always fun when it happens right before a podcast because then we can mention it and it's fresh. It's the best thing in the world. <laughs> okay. Is there anything else that you would like to mention? Um, no, I don't think so. Do you want to make the note about the little scheduling with Bravo and Kardashians? Yes. Thank you. Okay. So I mentioned this in the Kardashian episode, but I know not everyone that listens to this listens to that. Our scheduling obviously has to change as the Bravo schedules changes. And right now we do not have the screeners for 
Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and we don't have the screeners for the Kardashians Hulu show. So Beverly Hills doesn't even come out until Wednesday night. So the earliest we can record is late Wednesday night for that episode to then drop Thursday. And we are not allowed to release two podcasts in one day, like just ad wise. And we don't have the screeners for the Hulu show. So it gets released Thursday at midnight. We wake up at 730, watch it, do the outline. We start recording Hopefully our goal is by like 1030 on Thursday morning. So the soonest we could even get it up is Thursday night. And if we're releasing Bravo on Thursday, we have to push Kardashians to Friday. So we're going to see how everything goes and what screeners we can get and how that goes. But I just wanted to give everyone that scheduling note because I know we get a lot of DMs. (laughs) We'll get DMs at like 8 a.m. on Thursday being like, where's the episode? And we're like, we're watching it as we speak. Yeah, like we're trying so hard, I promise. I'm so appreciative. Like no part of me is complaining. I I can't even wrap my head around the fact that like people are waiting to hear our commentary. That's wildly flattering and I'm nothing but grateful. But just to let everyone know that that's where it comes from. Like this was a totally different game when we had the screeners and the episode was done and scheduled before it even aired. But now we're just trying to uh, get it all done. And then the last thing I know I said this earlier, but one more note, we are off for the entire week of Memorial Day. So it's that week of May 30th, I believe. But I'll announce that again next week. Anything else, Joel? I think that's it, kid. Okay, we love you guys so much. Thank you for listening. Thank you for letting us do this. And I can't wait for the rest of the episodes this week. 